So hello, folks, and welcome to another episode from the Sales Chat Show podcast, saleschatshow.com, driving your sales forwards. The dynamic duo, Mr. Graham Jones and Phil Jessen, are back in the studio, and they've allowed me to come along for the ride and to make the tea. Uh, and this, and I'm Simon Hazeldean, by the way, of the Tea Boy And this episode is called, If You Take the Time to Do This One Simple Thing, You Will Sell More. Now, what is this one simple thing? Well, maybe not simple, simple, but certainly relatively straightforward is account planning. Now, the reason I'm saying it will sell more is some research I was shown by a client. It's their internal research. So I'm not allowed to mention their name or any particular details about it, but I am allowed to just share that one of the things when they observed their most successful, high-performing salespeople from a revenue perspective, one of the things they spent more time on than less successful salespeople was account planning. So where you're thinking about what you want to be doing with your customers. Now, Graham, if only we had somebody who was a real expert on key account management who may have done quite a lot of work on that, we'd be off to a good start. Oh, my goodness. What a what a what an amazing coincidence! We do have Mr. Phil Jessen, the Cam Guru. That's now, interesting because I, I've just searched for an expert. As you were saying, it would be good if we could have an expert. <laughs> so I've just done a Google search for it, and up came Phil's name. So that's that's good, isn't it? There you well, go. There, 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 there we are. Thank, thank he goodness. He's paying a lot to his SEO company. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mr. Jessen. In your time, you may have just done the odd little piece of work on putting sort of strategic account plans in place and helping people to, to yes. do them. Can convince our listeners who are probably awfully busy that this is a really good thing they should be doing and they should be encouraging their teams to do. And then why don't we look at the how to? Because I think sometimes people think this is a bit more difficult and scary than actually it is. Yeah, uh, thank you. And uh, thank you for a little uh, bit of promotion there. I appreciate that. Um, I I think my experience of looking at what companies have by way of an account plan would suggest that very often they've got masses and masses of data, often in the wrong order. What I mean by that is that I once worked with a company that had had, uh, well, if I was about to name them, I won't name them, a major <laughs> consultancy beginning with the letter M. And um, <laughs> they had spent the best part of £250,000 on a piece of account planning software that had 89 pages Now, have a guess what the sales team did with these 89 fields of data. Absolutely nothing. So that is the first thing I would say, that if it's going to work, it has to be very, very user-friendly. Otherwise, it won't work or the sales team will kill it and make sure it doesn't work. The other thing I would say about the storyline 
is that very often these CRM systems will have all sorts of interesting little bits and pieces on the system, but very often in the wrong order. It doesn't actually tell you the storyline that you're interested in. So a sales director listening to us talking about this issue really only needs three key questions that go across this storyline. So question one, and this is a question that you have to imagine is being asked of the account manager. Question one is, what is the current situation in this account? And that question suggests that what we're investigating here is all sorts of little, little bits of intelligence, not information, intelligence, what that information actually means. And I'm sure you guys will also have some interesting contributions to make on what little pieces of intelligence we might want to hold. So question one is, what is the current situation on this account? Question two is, talk to me, Mr. Account Manager, Miss Account Manager, about our plans for the future of this account. <coughs> Excuse me. What you're really interested in is hearing about three things. What is the account manager planning to do to add value to the customer? That's issue number one. We can't claim to be a partner unless we put the customer first on this issue. So what are we planning to do that will add value to them? The second question is, what are we planning to do to improve our business? And the third one is, what are we planning to do that will develop relationships between their decision-making process and our decision-making process? And all of that stuff, you can wrap up with another I word. The first one was intelligence. This one is intentions. The third part of the storyline, having looked at intelligence and intentions, is implementation. And the question from the sales director to the account manager is nothing more than who needs to do what by when to make all of these plans happen. And then probably what the account manager is doing is not talking about today and tomorrow. They're probably talking about next month, next quarter, next year, probably a nine-month to 18-month timeline because as an account manager, quite rightly, they've decided to play it long. So just to summarise that, it's about intelligence, intentions, an implementation in that order. What's the current situation in this account? What are we planning to do in the future? Who needs to do what by when? So shall we go back to the first bit, which is all about the various intelligence pieces? Because I, I know uh, you both had some interesting thoughts on plotting decision makers or competitors and I the like. you were going to say what, you, what you, you know in? we're both intelligent is what I thought you were going to say <laughs> but obviously you're not correct uh, <laughs> I mean I, I just encourage I just encourage account managers to 
do something like a pestle analysis, political, economic, social, technological, legal, environmental for for the customer or the sector. You can Google it, by the way. If you're looking after the airline industry, Google pestle analysis, P-E-S-T-L-E for, for, for airlines. And some business school student will probably have done one. It'll be a starter for 10. My so business what, school <laughs> students will have done them. Yeah, Graham's your students. Yeah. Your students will <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a very different analysis, isn't it, from your time in the in the brewing industry where you used to do a PIWSED analysis from what I remember. <laughs> of course that that was uh, uh, different times and in the days before responsible consumption. That's uh, not fair you're taking the Michael. <laughs> but you've got to understand the world the industry they're in then what is their SWOT analysis. How does that? How? Where are they strong? Where are they weak? Where are the opportunities? Where are the threats that are caused to the organisation? That's another famous business framework. And then, what's the customer strategy in response to that? Where do they want? Where are they now? Where do they want to get to? Which I think goes to your your intentions piece. Those are there's just three things to look and downloading the annual report if there are yep. if there are companies is a goldmine of information. I don't mean necessarily the numbers, the financial statement. I mean the chairman's statement and, and how they describe what's been going, because the annual report is designed to convince their investors, stay as investors or for new investors to to bring their money into the organization. Yeah. So, and Graham, you know, Graham, you're the internet, you're the internet expert. I mean, there's no excuse now, right? There is so much information available at your fingertips that, you know, come on. You used to have to go to the local business library back in the day. Now you don't even have to leave your, you don't even have to leave your desk. I still go into businesses where they don't understand there is information available i was talking to somebody the other day and said um you know what are you able to find out about your customers and they said oh we you know we can find out this and that we look at their website and i went yeah but what are you using the internet to do some research and they said well we don't understand and i said okay um give me the name of somebody in your organization so they gave me the name of somebody um, and I said, OK, give me a couple of minutes. And I sat at my computer uh, and this person uh, in the organisation was invited in. And I said to this individual, uh, can you tell me, um, what does Madrid mean to you? And she looked at me puzzled and said, well, that's where my brother lives. Um, and in the space of a couple of minutes, I'd been able to locate that this person had a brother and that that brother lived in Madrid. Uh, and it took me all of, uh, you know, a couple of minutes to find that. With more searching, I'd have found more things. Yeah. Um, people don't do proper searches on the internet. They go to the website and that's it. They don't then necessarily look up, maybe say, for example, you know, the person they're trying to sell to, the, the client, look them up on, uh, for example, on LinkedIn, find out who they're connected to on LinkedIn, look them up, find out where, and you begin to get a pattern of people. It takes very little time yeah. to begin to form a pattern of the kind of person you're selling to, the kind of organization, who they are, much more than their website tells you, because their website is biased. Their website is presenting their business in a completely biased, positive way. You need to understand their business as you're going to sell to them. Um, and there'll be all kinds of issues and 
uh, elements and factors you need to consider, you're not going to find that out from their website. You've got to do some research. And the research is available at your fingertips. And people tell me they've done research and all they've done is gone to the about page of their website. Well, about even as much use as nothing yeah i mean i'd still i'd still i personally would still say go and have a look at the find out what they're saying yeah, about themselves yeah, of course and have, a, have a good look at the website because sometimes you find some interesting at least if not conversation starters maybe or yeah. follow their social media what are they tweeting about what are they what are they and, and by the way if you've got folks if you've got access to so if your organization pays for linkedin sales navigator you have a fantastic research tool at your fingertips to which i would guess the vast majority of people are using if they are using it they're probably using 5% of its capacity at most and it's a great way to find out was my my next thing I think is when you understand the customer, my next thing is understand the people, which is all of your stakeholder map. Who who does what jobs? What are they interested in? Are they for you, against you? And also I think in many industries, there's a sweet spot of buyers or stakeholders. So in the IT industry, it'll be the IT departments. Um, in, in certain ind medical industry, it's often doctors and nurses who they traditionally sold to. And then there'll be a whole lot of people with budget and decision-making who sit outside of those functions. And typically they're not getting seen by the account managers as much as they, as much as they ought to. So definitely the, understand the, that. The, the, the other one I would add to your uh, joint list of things that we ought to include in this intelligence gathering piece is what do we know about the spend that the customer is yeah. currently making and who are they spending it with? Ideally, yeah. and this again is time for another matrix maybe, ideally we need to know what the total customer spend is by product, by pound note or dollar, and also by supplier. Yeah. And if we've got that very, very clear picture, we'll probably be able to spot some boxes on that matrix that are the go-to boxes of li the line of least resistance, if you like. Uh, and it might be because a competitor of ours has recently got into some serious trouble in the media uh, and their customers are leaving left, right and centre. So there could be all sorts of factors that determine yeah. <clears throat> where on that supplier split, if you want to give it a name, that supplier split matrix, the total spend by product, by pound note, by supplier. That's another one I would add. It's sometimes called landscaping or share of wallet analysis or commercial potential analysis but basically like phil saying it's a great thing to do how much are they spending with you and how much are they spending somewhere else because there's there's two sorts of small customers right there's a small customer they've only got two hundred fifty thousand spend full stop they're always going to be a relatively small customer however if they're only spending Two hundred fifty thousand with you, but they're spending twenty five million with somebody else. That's a different sort of small customer. They might be small with you, but they are huge for your competition, and that might be worth some land and expand focus on. But you got to know. You got to go and ask those questions. Like a jig, I liken that. Always liken this to a jigsaw puzzle. 
you know, you, you ask different stakeholders the same question and, and sort of start to build up a, a reasonable overview. Some customers are very happy to tell you. Others, you just have to assemble that commercial overview, I think, over, yeah. over I, time. I think, I think you made a very important point, Simon, about understanding the customer's business the scenario I think we should invite our listeners to prepare for is that they go and meet somebody for the first time and that prospect, because that's what they are at the moment, that prospect says, well, before you start talking about your stuff, yeah. just give me your understanding of where you think we are now, where you think we are going in the future, where you think we are what it is that we're doing to get from A to B and along that journey where you think you can add value. And then we'll talk about your company and uh, all of its uh, detailed products and packages. But off you go, do a 10 minute presentation on your understanding of my business. That's really the scenario we ought to be inviting our listener to prepare for. Far more likely if you're at the executive level, by the way, to get that sort of uh, that sort of challenge from the C-suite. They they may very well they may very well say, okay, so tell me you've done your homework. Tell me what you know about us. I had that uh, fairly recently with a, a company who'd asked me to do some consultancy work with them, and I met the chief executive together with his mentor, um, and uh, his mentor was a one of these kind of coaches who multi-million pound business himself in coaching. Um, and they just got me along uh, to talk to them about the internet um, presence for this business. And uh, the first question was, so what do you know about us? Mm. Um, and I was able to tell them everything I knew with a load of data. Um, and then his next question was, okay, so you've understood exactly what we think what do we do about it and i was able yeah. to then have a conversation with him about what to do about it yeah but subsequently i discovered that that chief executive always asks suppliers what do you know about us it's his first question standard question um and he said that very few people know anything mm. very few people will actually have done any research other than saying well i've looked at your website and i see you've been yeah. in business since 1848 mm. uh, you know well he knows that yeah, what he doesn't know is what you've interpreted as a result of knowing the facts and data Absolutely. about the business, the research <laughs> you've done. And yeah. he's very surprised. Most people going into his office don't know. And, yeah. and of course, if you think about it, 20 years ago, people probably didn't need to do that. Their opening comment on a first visit would be, could you tell me a bit about your business? But of course, Time has changed, yeah. as Graham has quite rightly pointed out, and the the information, the intelligence, if you like, all of those lovely little bits of intelligence, they are out there. It's just the yeah. case of, of finding them and and stringing them together. And I think a way of a way of structuring, Phil, you talked about your implementation piece, a model I use um with with account managers is most most so mission what's you what do you want to achieve in two to three years in the customer objectives chunk that down into 
things you want to achieve in the next six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, or whatever time, whatever timeline you're working on strategies, the broad approaches, you know, executive engagement, upselling, cross-selling, introduce new products, target a particular customer, sorry, particular competitor for D list or something. And then the tactics is the nitty gritty day-to-day meetings, contacts, communication, presentations, social contacts, so on and so forth, the the, the tactics that you're going to use to activate the strategies that will deliver the objectives that will in turn deliver deliver the mission. And I think having that MOST plan in place for your top most important customers is 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 the for me is the implementation piece. You can then track how you're doing against it on a regular basis and see if your plan needs needs some adjusting. So I found that works pretty well. There are all sorts of other variations, of course, different approaches. I'm not I'm not too worried about the approach. I would just definitely advocate, you know, following Phil's intelligence, intentions, and implementation philosophy, I think, and then making that come alive in whatever way is practical you know and then of course 89 pages from the consultancy starting with the letter m um possibly for a really significant key global account or something i could imagine you might need to go to a greater level of detail but that's definitely for me that strikes me as overkill for the average customer account plan i've got i've got to say so uh what's the chances of salespeople doing that Neil, not going to happen. One other thing, bit of analysis that I think is worth doing. You you mentioned SWOT analysis. As yeah, well. yeah. Important. I think a lot of businesses miss out SWOB analysis. So SWOB analysis, you carry on with the say, looking at strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, but rather than look at threats, look at blocks, because within hmm. your organisation there will be blocks to you achieving something. So it's not. A weakness yeah. in your organization it's a block that's in the in oh, within like your organization and so what blocks are there to you being able to succeed with this client uh there may be blocks for example about policies the way you know how far you can drive and all those kind of uh policy blocks that exist or other psychological blocks that happen within the organization that's not the way we do it here kind of block mm. um it's not a threat or a weakness it's a block to actually doing something. So yeah, I like swab it. Swab analysis helps you look at look at things from a slightly different perspective. Also, I guess there. I guess there's 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 if there are things that are getting in the way of the customer implementing their strategy blocks, as Graham's describing them, and you show them how you can help them to overcome those blocks and implement the strategy. Yeah. You're now a strategic partner, aren't you? Not yeah. not like a transactional supplier and. And you just reminded me, the thing with SWAT, folks, is to be very, very clear and disciplined about the perspective you're doing a SWOT analysis yeah. from. So you, I can do a SWOT analysis on customer A, on their strengths, their weaknesses, the opportunities to their for their business and the threats. I can also do the customer's perspective of my company. What do they think our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats? So just be very clear of of um which perspective and if you're doing it from the customer's perspective your strengths that you think are your strengths might be different from what the customer perceives your strengths to be so it's their perception that's most important there's also the perception of course of the customer's own view of their swat 
Mm. They, they might think they are very strong in an area, but on your SWOT analysis, you've got that down as a weakness. So tread yeah. cautiously because they might be very proud of that particular issue, which they think they're doing famously on. So if, if Graham was doing some consultancy on their, I don't know, their internet presence and he thinks it's dreadful and he's talking to the person who's responsible for that very presence yep. he may need to proceed delicately and diplomatically yep. <laughs> have you been in some of my consultancy sessions <laughs> yeah graham wouldn't say and which idiot pulled your internet strategy together and the person goes well that'll be me so well, I'd i always did ask that I remember asking that question once where, to a pharmaceutical company. So I was with the C-suite of this pharmaceutical company. We had this meeting and they'd got all of their drugs in a warehouse at the end of the runway at a British airport. Um, and I thought the risk of doing that was too high because, you know, you're going to have a plane crash. Yeah. And the reason they got it there was because it was very convenient. You know, the drugs came in off the plane and they were in the warehouse very quickly. Um, and I said, which idiot put your warehouse at the end of the runway? And the <laughs> operations director said, well, that idiot would be me. <laughs> <laughs> it, and, then, it, and then he proceeded to explain why he did that. It, it, it um, reminds me of that uh, joke of the salesman who sort of says to the uh, says to his boss well i've i've just spent four days prospecting in scotland what a what a what a place it, it, it's full of hookers and footballers and the sales director then says my wife's from scotland and the salesman says oh really what position does she play <laughs> Mr. Jesson, that is your your music, your comedy taste is nearly as bad as Graham's musical taste. Now, I do, I'm not, I, I don't claim to be psychic, but let me just mind read our listeners going, hmm, Phil Graham and Simon, this sounds very good, but I'm very busy. I haven't uh -huh. got time to do my right. account plans. What's your what's your thinking okay. on that kind of? I haven't got time to do all of this. I have this claim from students all the time. So <laughs> yeah. students will say, uh, you know, I give them a deadline for an essay or assignment of some kind, yeah. and they're far too busy to get the essay done, and so they get up towards the deadline. And then they're pulling all-nighters to try and get the essay done before the deadline. And I said, you wouldn't have any of those problems and you wouldn't have the stress and you get better marks if you planned your essay. You know, I give them eight weeks notice of an essay assignment being ready and they don't worry about it until like three or four days before. I say, but you've known for eight weeks. If you planned it over those eight weeks, they said, we can't do that because we're busy. Well, you're not really that busy that you can't plan a 3,000 word assignment over eight weeks. If you think about that, that's yeah. you know, only a few hundred words a week you've got to worry about. And I point out that actually it's much quicker to plan things. There is data that shows us that if you spend more time on the planning than you do on the actual final thing, yeah. you are you save a lot of time. So as an example, I, I was... I've been asked to write a, another book, 
Um, and I'm in the midst of the planning process. I've only got 11 weeks to write this book, but I won't start writing it for several weeks yet because I'll be planning. And I was explaining to somebody else who has also recently been asked to write a book, and it's her first book. And I told her that the longest I've ever taken to write a book is two weeks. And she went, two weeks? How do you write 70,000 words in two weeks? And I said, well, it's really easy because the plan for 70,000 words is usually about 30 or 40,000 words. So I've it's all in bullet point form. I spend all the time planning it and then just writing that from the plan is so much quicker. So yeah. actually all these kind of, you know, it takes years to write a book. It doesn't, it takes me two weeks, two or three weeks to write yeah. a book because the planning takes the greater time. So over the next whatever it is, you know, 11 weeks, I've got to write this current book. I will spend most of that in the planning stage and not actually writing. Yeah. So it saves a lot of time. It's much quicker to do things with lots more planning. So I tell students, if you had one hour to do an assignment, you should spend 45 minutes of that hour doing the planning. Yeah. Mm. Actually, that's a great relief to me because um, I'm actually got to get my latest book finished. I mean, I'm nearly finished. I mean, as in I've numbered all the pages. I've just got to put all the words on the pages so yes that's really uh, that's you've really, got a header and footer on each page <laughs> yeah that's that's, well, that's really the first uh, that's part really, of the plan that's that's, that's really that's really cheap that's really cheap I, yeah i have i have two tips i would like to suggest yeah uh, one of my favorite little questions rather mischievous i have to confess was saying to uh, a team of salespeople in the room um if you had to achieve a hundred percent of your goals in 80% of your time. If you could do that, would a 10 pound note be an incentive? And they would always say, of course, no, absolutely ridiculous. But I would just keep raising the money. And interestingly, yeah. when I got up to, well, if I gave you 5,000 pounds then in cash, if you could achieve a hundred percent of your goals, in 80% of the time, could you do it? And they would all say, yes. And then I would say, brilliant, because on Friday, i.e. 20% of your time, that's when I need you to do your account planning. So let me tell you how that should work. Uh, the other thing that I uh, do, and I have mentioned this once before, is that, uh, yes, I, I, I do use uh, an electronic diary, but for some of my activities i use a paper based diary with these lovely stickers in them can you see that yeah gotcha colored different colored stickers yeah different, different colored stickers <laughs> now you might be interested to know that sales chat show meetings are the red stickers that i'm waving about there and the interesting thing about my lovely paper diary graham's smiling i can see what's coming the interesting thing about my lovely stickers is that you can't actually bin them. All you can do is to swap them around. So if I've got a day of preparation and planning lined up and a customer says to me, well, can you come along and do this on Monday the 5th? Brackets, my preparation and planning day. My answer to that is, yes, I can do that. Brackets, providing I can move that sticker onto another day and still carry out the preparation and planning that I was planning to do. And although 
I love the physical manipulation of the sticker because it really does connect you with the issue. This can, of course, also be done electronically very, very easily. It does not require a paper-based diary as a much. Did you get yes. all the stickers you needed for the uh, Euro um, football championships? <laughs> sticker book, yeah. Did you manage to fill them in? Because swapses are available on eBay. Yeah. I, I, I knew you would do something like that. I was ready for it. I could see the mischief in <laughs> Bubbling but Phil's, Phil's idea, really, it's like a, a concept that I, I've heard referred to as time blocking. You know, you, you don't don't try don't try to build account planning into more than it needs to be. We're definitely not doing the 89 pages, pages of planning from the consultancy beginning with them. You can do a pretty decent account plan in a couple of hours, definitely, or, you know, put, depending on the complexity of your business. So it's, it's block two hours on a Friday. Put it in your diary as a meeting so that if people look at your diary, you are busy. And if people people say well like, i can't find two hours i would just i would just use a humorous story i was with i was with one of my bosses many 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 years ago and we had a production facility in in the almost in the middle of manchester and car parking on site was almost like impossible so my boss and i pull up and we need to, we're going to see a customer in manchester and we need to borrow a bit of hot desk office space for two or three hours because we've got, got some stuff to do and he pulls up at the main gate and the security guard comes out looking rather skeptical and my boss goes any chance we could just park up for two three hours we just need to drop into the office and the guard security guard laughs and he says he says mate mate you've no chance you've no chance of parking on site and my boss who was a who was a had a lovely cheeky uh humorous way about him from liverpool said look i'm not being funny mate he said but if our managing director turned up today and said can you find me a parking space he said you'd find him a space wouldn't you and the guard went, well, obviously, if the managing director turned up, I'd have to. And my boss goes, well, I've got really good news for you. I've just been speaking to him. He says he's not coming today and I can have his parking space. And the boss, the, the, the security guard, fell about laughing. So I've adapted that. And I say to salespeople, I say, if your CEO said, I need to see you on Friday from 9 until 11, you would clear your diary. And they all go, yes, of course I would. Yeah. Great news. Your CEO doesn't need to see you. You can clear two hours in your diary, right? Yeah. Because remember the data I shared right at the start? It was one of the things successful account managers did far more of than less successful managers. And Graham's absolutely spot on. Time spent planning improves, reduces implementation time. I want to come to the defense of the consultancy company beginning with them. Um, and the reason I want to come to their defence is that that 89-page dossier actually probably would be very worthwhile. And knowing them, they've got the evidence. You know, they produce yeah. a lot of data, a lot of research. They've got the evidence that, that that tool, with all that 89 pages of material in it, is really valuable to businesses that end up doing it. The problem is that psychologically we look at that and go oh my goodness i can't cope yes. with that that's too much to do but if your boss said you've got 90 days to do it that's one page a day mm. that's yeah. one page a day and you get a day off because there's only 89 pages so you've got three months to do this one page a day 
you put you block out the time for that that one page would probably take you i don't know 10 15 minutes a day mm. so you just so you look at it and you go oh my goodness this is too much but if you step back and go well actually if i plan this how much time is it going to take if i block yeah. out 15 minutes in my diary each day to do it within 3 months you've done the whole massive planning process that you thought could not yeah. be done like I said earlier, for, for gold, for big, big global, complex, valuable customers, that, that level of detail might be absolutely yeah. the right thing to do. In three months' time, you could have gold standard, world-class yeah. strategic account plan in place for your number one most important global complex account. No problem at all. I, I think the other thing that we should remember from a, a diary planning point of view is that if you believe that good account management is a team sport, then probably what needs to feature in the account manager's diary is a quarterly meeting or a couple of meetings a year where he or she is getting together three or four colleagues to talk through what they are planning to do with the account plan. And if that is the case, there is nothing wrong with booking those dates now, months ahead, one of my clients used to call them CAM days, K-A-M, Key Account Management days, and the chief executive, quite rightly, used to endorse the emails that the account managers would send out requesting the appearance of their colleagues on certain dates. Once that colleague had confirmed that they were available, the chief executive also made it quite clear that if on the day they could not attend that meeting, they should send their number two. So the number two also had to have a diary note to make sure that it was covered. Otherwise, of course, the account manager has arranged a meeting where four people were expected to appear. One goes on holiday, one's sick, another one is late, and the account manager is sat there looking at one other individual. Uh, and this particular client I'm talking about the chief executive made it quite clear that these account plans and the days that were designated to review them, they were holy. That was his phrase, not mine. They were holy days not to be messed with. And they were in the diary for a good 12 months ahead. And everybody knew exactly good. what those <clears throat> dates were and which of those meetings they were expected to attend. Fantastic. Good, good enforcement from from the top oh, folks. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your thoughts there, folks. Just leave you with the uh, the often quoted rule of the seven P's. I believe it came out from the US military, which was prior preparation and planning prevents particularly poor performance. There are other versions are available, but they're a bit they're a bit they're a bit rude. So we won't we won't have those featuring on the sales chat show. We try to try to keep us clean and wholesome for our lovely listeners. So folks, there's about 200 plus episodes in our extensive back catalogue. You'll find those all at saleschatshow.com or from wherever you prefer to get your podcast, you will definitely find the Sales Chat Show. Please subscribe so you get notified when new episodes are issued and they are indeed issued on a regular basis. So it's been Phil Jesson, Graham Jones and Simon Hazeldean for Sales Chat Show. Just want to wish you good luck and good selling folks.